It's Friday, the 10th of January, and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, why is the left side of politics struggling to find a leadership champion? Big issues like being a party of anti-austerity, being a party that wants to invest in our public services and in manufacturing. No one's going to work harder. No one's going to campaign harder to win your heart, your trust, and your support. As opposition parties in Britain and the United States debate their path to victory, we'll look at why the politics of change is such a tricky business. Plus, students lose out as Britain votes down the Erasmus European Exchange Program. I'm Ben Ryland in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. This is obviously a very disappointing night for the Labour Party with the result that we've got. For those who supported the UK's Labour Party in the lead-up to last month's general election, it's hard to imagine how the morning of Friday the 13th of December could have been much worse. What might have been the dream of what some termed as a political revolution led by Jeremy Corbyn was instead a landslide victory for the Conservative Party. I want to also make it clear that I will not lead the party in any future general election campaign. Now, nearly a month later, a crowded field of Labour leadership candidates has emerged, each with a promise of taking the party in a fresh direction. So why, at a time of such political upheaval, isn't there a clear champion of the political left? Joy Ledico is a columnist and a keen political watcher. Joy, why was Jeremy Corbyn always considered such an unlikely leader of the Labour Party? I think that might be the wrong question. I think he was a likely leader of the Labour Party. And in fact, Tony Blair, the great uh, prime minister who won three terms, was in fact the unlikely one. Corbyn comes out of a tradition of the 70s and 80s in British politics, which is pro-union, anti-Rupert Murdoch press, pro-the poor, anti-the rich. And in the 70s and 80s, that may have worked somewhat better, although it, it did terribly for Michael Foote. In the 21st century, I think many of those arguments have begun to move on. And so Corbyn was a sort of throwback to that old Labour sensibility. As with every country and everybody's politics, there are these tribal allegiances. But the ground that you need to win is the middle ground. And Corbyn, although he, I thought, ran a very dignified campaign, could not reach beyond the politics of the working class. And the working class is diminishing in numbers. Corbyn's promise was often described as a revolution. Uh, we're talking about the primarily the 2019 election, uh, which obviously sounds like quite a lofty idea, that word revolution. But he did bring some quite big ideas to the table, not least, of course, making Britain's railways publicly owned again and, and taxing big tech. Some people thought that amid all the uncertainty of Brexit and whatnot, some of those ideas were just a bit too big. So we have moved away from the idea of nationalisation and the idea of bringing it back. Although if you read the manifesto and the ideas behind it, you could understand the funding mechanisms of it very well. And he had a chancellor who, who did understand how to persuade the city that this was viable. If you ask the average person in the street about the idea that you're going to have free broadband, they'll say, well, 
how are you going to pay for it? When you say nationalisation of railway, people say, well, how are you going to pay for it? And although certain sections of Westminster are incredibly well versed in economics, the general public is not. And they will look at that and say, well, um, that's all very well, but we, this country will end up in a huge amount of debt. The revolution that Jeremy Corbyn could have brought forward, but chose not to for his own personal reasons, was that of saying we should remain. The greatest sort of uh, savagery on your incomes is going to come from Brexit. And by taking an equivocal position on that and deciding that he wanted the socialist revolution instead, he couldn't gather enough people across the lines to propel him to the leadership. It's almost as if that uh, Jeremy Corbyn was presenting this idea that was bringing new ideas, bringing big ideas to the table. It seemed as if voters were a little bit more confident at choosing the status quo, which in this election seemed to represent what Boris Johnson was. It's, it almost feels as if there was this idea that actually things are moving too quickly. Well, yes, and I think this is a kind of broader problem across the, the whole of Europe in terms of socialist parties. While they are in trying to invest to change things for the better for people on the ground. They're also embracing another thing, which is identity politics. They're embracing social media in a certain way. So if you looked at social media just before this election, you would have thought Labour was going to win it. The average person, I think, feels that the world is moving away from them. Social media is moving too fast. Identity politics is moving too fast. And Corbyn was big on that as well. The idea that everybody's particular needs needed to be looked after by the government is in fact another form of identity policy where people stand up and say, but what about me, but what about me, but what about me? And they sort of wanted less intervention. They wanted things to slow down. And although Boris Johnson gave this alternative vision of this kind of global Britain, he was also saying, you know, we'll just fix things sporadically. We'll put a train line in. You understand what a train line is, don't you? We'll just put a train line in. His promise was in fact very, very lean, but it was within a kind of slow framework of the world rather than the fast framework of the world. If you go and look at France, their socialist party has collapsed. They haven't got an offer that people want to take up. Germany's struggling. Italy's struggling. Corbyn is actually much further over to the left. But the kind of centre-left social democrats cannot simultaneously incorporate all their kind of natural constituents' needs and yet also fight off this idea that, in fact, they're going to change things too much and things are changing too fast already in some people's perceptions. That brings us to the state of things now for the Labour Party, where regardless of what anyone wants, they will need to be changed because they need to select a new leader. Mm. There are now potentially seven candidates vying to take the leadership of the party. What do you think that tells us about the state of things? Well, there were about seven candidates uh, also standing for the Conservative uh, Party, but it was sort of pretty clear to everybody that Boris Johnson was going to win. Labour's got a little bit more of a problem because it's a question of which direction the party goes in, and it's quite a fundamental question. Sir Keir Starmer, who was the Brexit secretary, in some ways represents a sort of a, a more Blairite character in the sense that he's, all, he's always kind of walked as though he was a leader. He is a natural leader. He is the son of a toolmaker. He was a lawyer. He was director of public prosecutions. Uh, and he has a sort of gravitas to him. Although his campaign is very much about kind of how I supported the unions um, in the 80s, he is seen as somebody who is moderate, intelligent and possibly has a broader appeal, although he's not actually a brilliant media performer. The third candidate who I find most interesting is Jess Phillips, 
who is kind of a maverick in Parliament. She's an incredibly good arguer. She has always said, listen, when I go around my constituency, people aren't talking about Brexit. They are talking about when the bins get collected over and over again. She's very much kind of down to earth of the people and a fantastic media performer doesn't have a kind of the natural kind of following of unions but I think she's possibly the most interesting candidate. That line about uh, when to take the bins out it has some echo there of Nancy Pelosi over in the United States telling all the Democrats that we need to continue talking about health care because even though impeachment catches all the headlines the concerns of the average voter is very much about how they're going to pay for all of their medical bills. If we look over in the United States uh, the presidential debate back in October It featured 12 candidates. Now, that was the largest number to ever take part in a single debate. Joy, why is it that in these two major democracies, both facing enormous political upheaval, there is such an enormous wide catalogue of potential leadership candidates, all with their own particular kind of experience, all promising a different kind of direction? And yet, no matter where we look, there's no obvious clear front runner. Why is that? Well, I think this is, uh, although I actually think identity politics is naturally a right wing issue rather than a left wing issue, because it's a sort of, it's, a, it's about a meritocratic thing. The left have unfortunately let it sort of spread like a disease through what they're doing, and they cannot come up with a coherent winning candidate. They can't decide because in a sense, nobody can really decide what socialism is at the moment. If Labour or the Democrats would like to see themselves as progressive, they are fighting a counteraction from people going, we don't want to progress at the moment. We actually would rather stay where we are. We'd rather stay with these old certainties of a president banging his fist on the table and saying, how dare Iran do this to us, than somebody trying to, again, reshape our world when it's being reshaped so fast in terms of technology. Better the devil you know, I suppose. Better the devil you know. This is moment for reflection. Um, we're talking to lots of colleagues. The current front runner to take over from Jeremy Corbyn, Shadow Brexit Secretary Keir Starmer, won the backing of the UK's biggest trade union this week, a significant boost to his chances of winning the party leadership. The new leader will be announced in April. Meanwhile, in the United States... A new CBS News poll shows a three-way tie for the top spot in Iowa. Senator Bernie Sanders, former Vice President Joe Biden, and Mayor Pete Buttigieg are... Former Vice President Joe Biden is said to be increasingly concerned over the impact Bernie Sanders might have on his bid to be the Democratic nominee for president. Last week, Biden embarked on a five-day bus tour across the eastern part of Iowa, an area with a high concentration of working-class voters, representing one of the tightest battles between Biden and his challenger, Bernie Sanders. Staying in London now because it's not just freedom of movement within the European Union that will be taking a hit when Brexit finally takes effect. Britain's Parliament has also voted to end a student exchange programme. Monocle's senior editor Robert Bound explains. You, dear listener, might well have been a beneficiary of Erasmus, the programme that organises for EU students, especially poorer ones, to study in one of their fellow members' countries for a year. A lot of people have been. So it's a shame this week that the British Parliament voted against negotiating continued full membership of the scheme to the tune of 100 votes. The lack of interest from the British government in the educational, social and pastoral opportunities that Erasmus brings are telling. An early kick in the nuts to EU structures based on a bit of caring and sharing pre-Brexit. The government said it was leaving the EU, not Europe, remember? 
People have taken to social media in their droves to share stories of how they got their first job thanks to Erasmus, found their vocation, joined a band, became fluent in a foreign language, made friends for life. A friend of mine met his future wife when she came over on an Erasmus trip from France. We don't big up social media at Monocle, but here there's a point. In the regular media, there wasn't a squeak. I couldn't find a single mention of the Erasmus vote and its implications in yesterday's British newspapers, full as they were with Megxit. Desiderius Erasmus was a Dutch philosopher who travelled through 14th century Europe, working in Rotterdam, Cambridge and Basel. His time in each helping form a worldview that's the basis of much humanism and modern thought today. Erasmus couldn't have done it without a little help from his friends. Something really rather like Erasmus. For Monocle, I'm Robert Bound. My thanks to Robert Bound for that report. Elsewhere on today's agenda... Good evening. It's been described as hell on earth. Massive bushfires have turned a huge area. Around 200 firefighters worked through the night in Western Australia in an effort to contain a bushfire that triggered an emergency warning in the southeastern suburbs of Perth. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Scott Morrison concedes that any inquiry into the bushfire crisis would need to investigate the role of climate change. Of course, global uh, changes in the environment and the climate have a broader impact on the world's weather systems. What we've always said, though, is you cannot link any individual single emissions reduction policy of a country, whether it's Australia or anyone else, to any specific fire event. I mean, that's just absurd. Voters in Taiwan head to the polls tomorrow to elect a president and appoint a new batch of national lawmakers. President Tsai Ing-wen is a shoo-in for his second term, so the key contest will be whether her Democratic Progressive Party can hold on to its commanding majority in parliament. And Croatia appears to be using its current presidency of the European Union as a way to promote tourism. In recent days, billboards and buses across Brussels have been plastered with posters with the message that it's time for EU to set sail in beautiful Croatia. The country isn't exactly short of visitors. About 220,000 Belgians travel to Croatia each year, boosting Croatia's GDP by about 20%. Read more about today's stories by subscribing to our daily email bulletin at our website. I'm Ben Ryland. Monocle Minute returns on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Music